0: okay welcome to the broadcast this is Chuck Morse I'm getting some echoey sound here so um, you'll have to bear with me this is not some kind of a Jewish conspiracy or anything like that let's see is that better um, maybe I just have to remove any sound in the room in which case I can only hope that um, I get uh, headphone sounds um, look I'm, I'm doing kind of a solo experiment here today I mean my ultimate goal with this program is to be able to do it live and accept calls and um, texts and uh, even webcam uh, contributions from, from viewers and listeners. Let's see if I can hook up the headphones, maybe that'll help matters. Um, but, but when it comes to technical matters, I'm all, I'm just, uh, I'm all thumbs as the old saying goes. I don't, uh, I don't do well with it, so please bear with me on that. This is some kind of Jewish conspiracy. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because uh, of all of the, uh, I guess you might say, um, the. There we go. The commentary. Yeah, I'm getting like echo in the ears now. The commentary that resulted from the Richard Spencer interview, which I conducted last week. Um, and which have appeared on the uh, YouTube station. Uh, many of these comments are truly and personal. And they, they talk about my personal appearance and, 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 my you know, various in a most vulgar way. And, uh, and they call me various names that are, are personally deeply offensive, especially with regard to my, my religion, which is Judaism, and, um, and are hurtful. And uh, I feel that I must get on and talk about this because I'm concerned about the condition of anti-Semitism in the world today. It's, it's uglier and more hateful and more dangerous and more vicious. I think that any time that I can remember, and I've been tracking this pretty much all my adult life, I mean... Um, I started becoming aware of it as a kid when my brother and I read the Rise and Fall of the Third Reich by William Schreier. We we made a full study one summer about Hitler and the world in World War Two. And that really got me to thinking about what is it that caused that kind of hatred and caused that event in history, which is unprecedented. It's not that there are other holocausts and other genocides. There are. In some cases, they are worse in terms of the sheer numbers of people killed. But where the Nazi Holocaust is unprecedented is in that it was so completely and utterly focused on one group of people, namely the Jewish people, and a, a a deliberate, concerted, and very sophisticated agenda to annihilate those people completely from the face of the earth and <clears throat> that that makes it different in my opinion than other genocides um, and so thus, I see the world today, and I see the rise of Jew hatred of anti-Semitism, on the left and on the right, as those terms are defined. On the right, by conventional definition, they have to do with the reactions by people to my interview with Richard Spencer, who I don't know if he's an anti-Semite, but he certainly seems to have embraced certain anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about Jews racially, that we are, you know, that that by nature, I guess, if you are looking at life from a racist standpoint, you tend to think of people collectively, as if they all have certain traits that make them the way they are, based upon their collective group. And this, uh, for I think, I don't think I'm I'm going too far off the the beaten track by suggesting that racists view this. Biologically, I mean, they view people as different from other people based on their race, and that—that is, you know, I I think provably false. And it's uh, it's collective. It's it's communist, actually. I mean, it's what uh, Ayn Rand accurately referred to as a barnyard version of socialism—the idea that we can be judged collectively um, at all is really wrong because we're not a collective. There's no such thing as a collective. We're individuals to be judged by our own merits or our own default, our own, our own uh, you know, problems. Not by some kind of a, an imposed collectivist agenda. Those things are not relevant to who we are as people. In fact, what I am expressing right here is what I would suggest is not only natural to the human being, but it's also the American way. And I said this to Richard Spencer, that America is the best manifestation of that which is best in nature. And that is that the individual is who they are. They create their own lives. They determine their own destiny to the degree that anyone's able under God and and, uh, with limitations. Um, and, you know, this, is, uh, this runs against the concept of collectivism. America runs against collectivism. And what you have, yeah, not the beehive. Thank you very much, Karen. The, uh, the hive is the ultimate manifestation of collectivism, a one-world beehive, a one-world ant colony where everyone is de facto equal. That's the ultimate dream. Now, for the racists, I think the ultimate dream is not that. They want to see, uh, I guess, the white race, which they view as superior. I know that they deny that, and Richard Spencer denies it, but I contend it. As having the upper hand in the world and of becoming pure, and however they define white, by the way, that's another subject, but I'll get to that in a minute. But they view this... Uh, You know, they having their own sovereign world and their own empire, kind of like a caliphate, if you will, with other races having their little empires um, that are somewhat subordinate to the white empire. Um, It's an evil idea. It's just as evil as communism. And even if they do believe that these empires based on race are equal, it's still evil because people can't be judged based on race. Who is, what is it to be white or what is it to be black? And who decides what that means? I mean, really, you know, these are, these are irrelevant concepts. They have nothing to do with, with who you are. Now, some of these emails that were sent to me, they say, well, what about, and Richard Spencer said this, oh, by the way, that Western civilization, which emanated out of Europe, is superior to other civilizations, and because Europe is "quote unquote" white, therefore, you know, white people are superior to other peoples. You know, this is the Latin term for this is "post hoc ergo propter hoc." In other words, because of this, therefore, it is. And uh, my answer to that is that it's half right. The right, the part that's right, is that European. Civilization has become, did become superior to other civilizations. And that the ultimate manifestation of that European Western civilization was the United States. And it remains so. But it has nothing to do with whether or not Europeans were white. It's not relevant. It has everything to do with the fact that, that Europeans for various, very interesting historical reasons, accepted and embraced certain ideas that made them free and that helped them develop sovereignty. And I would contend that those ideas emanated from the Bible, the Jewish Bible, that's right. You know, the idea, first of all, that is described in the book of Genesis, that that, uh, we are created in the image of God, we are not God. We are images of God, and as such, we're imperfect, but at the same time, we have rights. Because we're an image of, of the divine, we have the right to, to have our persons function respectfully. I mean, we, we have to, and therefore, we have to respect other people's rights, because they also are created in the image of God. And then we are all equal in the de facto sense. Not in the literal sense, I should say in the du jour sense. I mean under under the under God, under the law. We're not equal in terms of, of accomplishments and results and how we live our lives. We're all very different. But under God, as crea- as as creators, as uh, created images of God, we are equal. That is a Judaic concept. It comes from the Torah or the Bible, which Christianity embraced entirely and that Christianity uh, under under the ministry of Jesus and his followers basically was a, a form of Judaism that was brought to the world and thus the world embraced the concept of one God and the concept that rights emanate from that God and that that God is the creator of the universe and the lawgiver. This is what makes Western civilization great. This was the building block upon which those of us who come from Europe and eventually created the United States were free to be able to create our own lives and to invent and to imagine and to develop. Okay, we've got, hey Chuck, great to see you, long time since you interviewed me. On your program about my novels. Okay, maybe I'll have, yep, I'll have you back. World um, Temple, that is. Um, not the Hive. Okay, I'm getting a few comments here. And you're certainly welcome to um, to join the program, by the way, um, if you'd like to. Um, you uh, If you're watching live on um, on YouTube. Let me just get rid of that. That's kind of, yeah, there we go. Um, let me just hide these because they're not, yeah, they don't look great on the screen. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so the, so what I'm getting at here is that there were ideas that were embraced by the Europeans that made Europe a great civilization, not because they were biologically white. That's not relevant. Those ideas were more than just the Judaic ideas emanating from the Torah. It also was Greco-Roman law, the Greek, philoso- the Greek philosophers, especially Aristotle, and his development of the concept of, uh, of the golden mean. The Romans and their development of law and administrative you know, government. Uh, the, you know, the, the Anglo-Saxons developed the concept of limited government. Uh, when when they developed, you know, they, they would put governments in various silos, whether it be the sheriff, the cleric, the king, you know, the property owner. I mean, they, they had all of these amazing, um, you know, things going on that, that developed limited government. And that concept, of course, was Embraced and, and embodied in the by the founding fathers of the United States, but it could have been. It had nothing to do with whether or not these people were white or not. I mean, this is what this is the missing piece with with Richard Spencer and his racist crowd. Whiteness is re- irrelevant, um, and the proof is that. And, and I've had people say, "Well, don't you think white people are superior?" I mean, take a look at you know you know Africa or take a look at Asia. No, it's obviously false. look at I mean you have to get out in if you think that you need to get out of the house and you need to go out into the world a little bit and 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 see people and talk to people and get to know people of different backgrounds. You will quickly realize that this idea that you're promoting in your own heads this theory this theory is obviously false that black people asians other minorities that they're just like you that they have the same skill set they've got the same ambition they've got the same value to their own lives they've got the same emotions just like you do there's no difference no difference at all i mean i feel it's almost it's crazy for me to even have to say this But yet these people seem to embrace this theory. And what I would tell you, and let me just put it this way. If you're going to embrace that theory before you do so, because it is a hateful theory, and it's an arrogant theory, you should operate like any other scientist. Go out and do some field work. Go into a a minority neighborhood. Go to a minority restaurant, go to a minority business, go to a minority church, do some field work, get out of the house and get to meet people before you make such a ridiculous and, and really damaging judgment about other people. You know, I mean, maybe I'm asking too much for that, but the fact of the matter is that you're ignorant. And I mean that in the sense that you don't have knowledge. Um but then, of course, some of the malicious aspects of, the, of these attacks that I've had to endure since I did this interview tell me that it's maybe a little bit more than ignorance. Maybe you do know what you're talking about and you just hate white black people. You hate minorities. Now, as far as the Jewish conspiracy stuff goes, um, you know, and it's so nasty, people calling me a kike and, and, and saying that I'm fat and this sort of thing. Fine. Why be so ugly? Why be so mean? How would you like it if I talked about what you look like? You know, I mean, putting aside all that, they've embraced this kind of Jewish worldview conspiracy that the Jews secretly control the world. And it's a conspiracy that's been used by others historically, I think, often to cover up the fact that they're trying to control the world. I think that was true with Hitler. I think that was true with Stalin. I think it's true today in, in among certain radical Islamic sects that the Jew is secretly trying to control them. The Jew is responsible for their unhappiness and their own lives. And the way for them to become happy is to destroy the Jew, to kill the Jew. Um, I suppose if this were true, then you would have reason to want to fight the Jew and, and put them back on their heels. Karl Marx wrote a manifesto about this called On the Jewish Question, later renamed and republished as A World Without Jews, that was absolutely into this, this theory, but but put it into some very sophisticated political language. And I think Marx probably reflected some of the views at the time. It was in the 1840s in Germany, um, but he furthered it. He, he gave it a certain imprimatur, a certain legitimacy because of his position in the establishment. And, uh, and that those views were that basically the Jew was responsible for negative traits in the human being. Uh, he referred to it as self-interest, hockstering, and money. The Jew invented these things. Now, this goes to the Marxist theory of of uh, false consciousness, which is that in the Marxist world, which derives from the philosophy of Immanuel Kant, by the way, there is no such thing as anything real. There's no reality. Everything is manufactured by People who are trying to exploit you, that the exploiters invent things like religion, which Marx called the opiate of the masses. They invent money, they invent trade, they invent family, they invent love, they invent loyalty, they invent all these things that create, uh, you know, imbalance, according to them, that create inequality, according to them. And that are created as part of a grand conspiracy to control people and exploit people. This is their theory of exploitation regarding labor, that the big companies at the time had invented a means to exploit labor and get rich off labor um, by, you know, somehow inventing these institutions so that people would be lulled to sleep and they'd be willing to give up and, and, and do labor. And um, of course it puts aside the reality, which is that the the people who created these businesses employed people and then, you know, at the same time people had a right to unionize to represent their interests and develop a relationship of balance between union and management. That's the right way to go. I mean, that's why in this country we have the right to assemble so that we can represent our interests. We have a right to redress of our grievances with the government. And we have a right to create unions. I'm all for unions. I'm a union man. I've been in unions. But Marx viewed the capital, the holders of capital as having created a false reality so they could exploit people. He viewed money as a false creation, you know, that had to be eventually abolished because it creates inequality. Um the the discussion of what money is is a very interesting discussion. A little beyond what I want to get into in this short presentation today. But suffice it to say that money is nothing more than an abstract expression of property and value. In fact, Marx and his crowd believed property was unofficial, that the ultimate dream was to live in a collective state where things like property would be abolished and then everybody would live in harmony with nature and would produce according to their ability so that they could give money and give property, if you will, to others who don't have as much, that we would all have just what we need. Nothing more, nothing less. This is the utopian view. And uh, it's, it's transferred by Marx to the Jews as being the creators of these false consciousness. The Jews were the ones who created all these institutions that stood in the way of Marx's dream of a one world and colony. You know, the Jews invented self-interest because they care about themselves, right? The Jews invented trading between goods and services. Marx called it huckstering, the ability to take whatever it is that you have or that you've created and trade with others for other values. It's natural to the human being, animals are the understand this. And then, of course, money is the abstract means of engaging in trade so that we don't have to have everything bartered. Marx believed that these were institutions that were created by and invented by the Jews so they could exploit other people and they could exploit the world. Well, first of all, obviously, these things were not invented by anybody. They exist in nature. They're natural to the human being. Uh, Self-interest is what gets us up in the morning. We put ourselves first. We put our family, our friends, our colleagues second. And we put our community and maybe our nation and the world third. That's natural. That's part of the human condition. That's who we are. That's baked into us. Free trade is natural. Money is a natural means of exchange. I mean, so we can make trades without having to barter. If we didn't have money, we'd invent money. The most primitive societies had money. They, they used seashells or they used, you know, tally sticks in the, in, the, in the medieval England, where you put a little notch on a stick to determine the value of, of the transaction. Um, you know, every society has used money. You need to have a means, an abstract means of exchanging goods and services. It's not invented by Jews. But furthermore, I would suggest that these institutions have been embraced by the Jews, more so maybe than other people. I think there's a lot of interesting reasons for that. It has to do with the fact that the Torah advocates and teaches us to be independent thinkers, that we're individuals created by God. We're images of God, as I started out with. We're not collective. And as such, we are responsible to take care of ourselves, our families, and then to do good for others, what they call in Jewish, in Hebrew, tikkun olam. That's what we are commanded to do by God. And not every Jew does it, of course. You have some lousy Jews who don't do anything. But the point is the religion, the idea, the, the philosophy advocates it, teaches it. Um, educates its citizens, educates its children to grow up and become independent, sovereign citizens under God that are commanded to do good to the community, to do good for others, and to believe in God and not the state. And of course, then it gets into various means of worshipping God and that God has a special covenant with the Jewish people. You know, they call it the chosen people, which has to do with serving God, not controlling anybody, one of the great anti-Semitic misconceptions. But the fact of the matter is that these are values that are advocated by Jews. And this was why Marx, who had some Jewish, his parents were Jewish. I mean, he converted he converted to Christianity as a child by his parents. And by the way, he was a devout Christian when he went into college. He came out of college as a communist, like a lot of people. Um. This was why Marx, as a communist, felt that the Jewish religion had to be eradicated because it had this influence on the world that would result in self-interest and the right to trade goods and services and, and to have property and to be a functioning, thinking, independent, sovereign citizen under God. This was why he wanted to get rid of Judaism. And yet it's these values that are the bedrock of freedom. This idea of lifting yourself up by the bootstraps and making something out of your own life, by this idea of having some control over your own destiny. These are ideas that were advocated by Judaism. They weren't invented by Judaism. I'd have no problem if they were. They're great ideas, but they're not. They're just part of nature. But Judaism teaches these things. It advocates these things. It suggests these things to the rest of the world, and it is these ideas that also are the bedrock of Christianity, as an extension of Judaism. Let's not forget, Christianity, as part of the faith, has embraced what they what you call the Old Testament, what Jews call the Torah, and then it's the, the ministry of Jesus is the is a continuation of these ideas and an introduction of these ideas and morals to all of mankind, which is why Marx felt that by getting rid of Judaism, he could destroy the root of these ideas. And then the branches grafted into that root like Christianity would fall into the ground dead because of it. He also felt that it was the best way to destroy the United States, which is the ultimate manifestation of these ideas, codified in our constitution, codified in our way of life, that the individual is created by the by, by God, not by the state. That the individual is it has certain inalienable rights. That the government doesn't create rights, it just recognizes already existing rights. There were no rights created by the Constitution. The Constitution simply recognizes that which is, as Jefferson said, self-evident. And so you have Ideas that run completely contrary to the Marxist agenda, which is to create a collectivized world <clears throat> excuse me of lobotomized people who no longer have an independent mind because that creates inequality, who no longer have property, no longer have trade rights, no longer have family, no longer have love, no longer have attachments or anything other else that was invented by the bourgeois Jews and bourgeois others. And they move toward collectivism. Well, look, I mean, the people that are responding to Richard Spencer, my interview with Richard Spencer, and to a certain degree, Richard Spencer himself, they also embrace these very same ideas. In fact, I just saw something. I looked up Richard Spencer on Google, and it said that he considers himself to be the Marx of the right. He is like the Marx of the right. They're pushing collectivism. It's no different the only difference is instead of collectivism based on all humanity and complete equality it's collectivism based on race which is a which is in the real sense a manufactured concept there is no such thing as race we have our ancestries come from different parts of the world and we've taken on different characteristics based upon shared experience and genetics And so we tend to look like the people that we cohabited with for generations. And that means we might have a slightly different skin tone or whatnot. But it doesn't mean anything. I mean, the Romans didn't consider race to be an issue. They didn't recognize race. Some of the Roman emperors were black. They were from Africa, like the Severan line, Septimus Severus, and his line of emperors. They were black. Nobody thought about it in Rome. It's a modern concept, and it's actually, it would be an interesting history to study. But there's nothing, you know, it's, it has more to do with a cultural predominance in a society. When you have people of a certain tribal background, I guess you might say, that become the dominant political power in a country, they tend to want to perpetrate that power and denigrate those who are not part of that. A power, and that usually and often historically can be based upon race. But it has nothing to do with, and it's not a good thing. I mean, it's not what America is supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about a nation of small landowners and shop owners who who trade with each other and who embrace certain ideas, not based on race, but based on culture, based on philosophy. But if you want to take a look at, like, white versus non-white, Has nothing to do. I'll give you an example of, in Japan, the the, the predominant, quote, race is Japanese. And in the very northern part of Japan, on the Hokkaido Island, there are the Ainu people. They're white. They're Caucasian. And they've been persecuted for many, many centuries by the dominant Japanese, who are not white. So... You know, and they're primitive. (laughs) I mean, their culture is not as advanced as the Japanese culture. So I only bring that up to point out that whiteness, blackness, you know, Asian, whatever, that these things are irrelevant. It has to do with culture. So that's what I have to say about this today. To those of you who are sending me these nasty notes, I say F you, right? That's what I say. Here we go. Um, And uh, I'm not going to sit around and do, you know, be diplomatic and go, oh, let's, let's cardle people. You know better. You're full of it. Cut the crap. Get with what's real. Let's honor America. Let's not move toward judging people based upon accidents of birth. Let's judge people based upon who they are. And uh, I would probably agree with most of, of the uh, the Richard Spencer followers when it comes to mass immigration. I'm not for it. And I do think there are certain problems associated with the mass immigration of people who have embraced certain religions and cultures that are not compatible to the American way of life. I do believe that. I think people can be acculturated, and I think people have been acculturated. But there are dangers associated with a mass migration of peoples coming in from a country that does not resonate with American values. It's not based on race, though. It's based on culture. It's based on ideas. It's based on who they are in terms of what they've embraced, not who they are in terms of how they were born. So those are my thoughts today on this topic. Um, If you want to check out my books, I'm not here to try to shamelessly plug my books, but they are available, however, on Amazon. I've actually written three books on the topic of Judaism, one of which I get into some of these things. It's called uh, The War Against Judaism. You can check them out on Amazon, and um, also please uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You know, I'm trying to build a YouTube channel, and the more I can build a YouTube channel, the, the more interesting people I'll get on the show. So anyway... Once again, thanks for watching, everybody, and have a nice day.